It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L.D. Azobra, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. have another true living legend. His story is beyond what you can imagine. This young man fought for justice for all, not just for himself. He's from out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome, Mr. Ronnie Moore. Thank you. Mr. Moore, now your story, I don't even know where to start at with your story. I'll just, let's just start. Now you grew up where? I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. In the 15th Ward, it's called Algiers. Algiers, right across be with Algiers. the river there. How many in the family? There are seven in the family. They all did. I'm the only sibling sibling in the family. I'm the youngest there, and it's been a, it's been a struggle to be the only one still here. Yeah, the only one still here. Now, now what's your mother and father name? Uh, my father's name was Alvin Moore. Now, where was he from? And my, he, they were from New Orleans. Okay. And my mother's name was Beatrice Moore. Beatrice. What was her maiden name? Andrew. 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 Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people from New Orleans, some come, look like come out of Mississippi or, well, we got, we have, we or have Haiti this, somewhere. Yeah, we have this dual history. Yeah, we all came in this, uh, grew up at the Second Good Hope Baptist Church in Algiers on Elmira Street. And I attended the Catholic school, All Saints Catholic School, which is on Tash Street down there. Okay. And that, that's so my beginning of uh, the movement, and the movement started at a very, very young age. It's uh, like 1953 when T.J. Jefferson was doing the bus boycott here in Baton Rouge. I was 13 years old, 1954, when the Supreme Court I overturned Plessy versus Ferguson. I, I was 14. And so I sort of thought, felt like uh, the white only science had had its day. And it was time that they come down. So I was in sixth grade with some students, which is all safe school opposite that little park. If you ever go to the Algiers, you'll see that park right there opposite what, the school. What's, what's the name of that park? You don't remember? It's a McDonald's something. <laughs> you know, they give all the names and stuff like that. I do know it's right there on Patholomew and in uh, Tash Street, opposite the school. And now you say you're in middle school. I'm in, this is I'm in I'm in the sixth grade. Sixth grade. Sixth grade in middle school. And we're playing on the street between the park and the school. And the park had a white only sign on it. Only whites could go in. And in 1954, so we sort of figured out, well, the Supreme Court said it was all right. Maybe we, should. we went into the park to play. And 15 of us were arrested. At 6th grade? So 12, 13, excuse me, 13, 14 years old? I was about 14 years old when we were arrested for okay. going in the park. Did you understand that Supreme Court order when they, when they made that ruling? Did you understand that back then? Well, it was a difficult time. I mean, and, and yeah, it was an easy time. The white-only signs were vivid. All over the place. In, in New Orleans? In New Orleans. Uh, we'll drink for the white water fountains and, uh, and the lunch counters oh, were hold segregated. On, hold on. You got to tell us, you, you look so young. So tell us what, what you, when, when you I was born, born in 1940. 1940. 1940. So at, at about 54, I was about 14 when the Supreme Court. Matter of fact, uh, 
you know, we were listening to the radio in those days. Uh, television hadn't really made it to the neighborhood yet. And the party lines, we had the party lines, oh, right, those days. And so, you go get the news, you'll get it on the radio. And therefore, it was on the news that the Supreme Court had made that historic decision of overturning Plessy versus Ferguson. That's all we knew at the time. But it was like, it was, it was well-known discussion at that time that they're going to integrate the schools at some time. We jumped ahead of integrating the schools because we were going to school that day and that park was right opposite. We were playing in that street there and we just couldn't figure out why we were going to the park. We had a conversation with some adults and they said, well, you know, you have a right to go in the park. The time's not coming, that what you come, we went into the park. And the lady called the police, the police came, arrested 15 of us, and we were taken to the, the 15th district down there in Algiers. People find out where it is. They go visit the 15th district today. <laughs> and tell, them, tell them hello down in the 15th district. Uh, what happened? And so they called our parents to come get us, you know, like we were not, they just put us around. We were seated on the floor right in the precinct. And they called the parents to come get us. And that was an interesting experience because I didn't know at that time that our parents were going to get involved in the whole process. As a matter of fact, we didn't know we were going to get arrested. Huh? We hadn't thought that far about it. We just knew right from wrong. And, you was and we knew that segregation was wrong and that we had a right to go in that park. And we didn't understand why we tolerated it to even exist. And so the parents came to get us, took us home, and then the NAACP got involved in the process. Matter of fact, the original lawyers that represented us down there was A.P. Turo, mm. Ernest Mariel, and Trudeau. It was, it was called Turo, Trudeau, and Mariel. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember. Mark, Mark, no, it's his daddy. Yeah, not, yeah. not Mark, his daddy. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Ernest. Ernest, uh, Ernest, Ernest Mar Mar who was the mayor. Yeah, and, yeah who was the mayor, yeah, but uh, at that time, they were the original NAACP lawyers. This is 1954. Okay. And it's long before he even had the right to, <laughs> to vote. <laughs> and so I guess they sensed that. Um, we were, we, were, we were representing a new generation that was going to develop. No one knew to what extent. Well, that's the beginning of the struggle and in high school, I mean, in, in elementary school. So, it picked up when we got to high school because then it's getting close from 1960 and the sit-in movements are taking place. And uh, well, it was time for me to leave New Orleans and go to Southern University to go to school. And I was just a normal, no, I'm a 20 year old on a college campus at Southern University at that time. Before we jumped over there, so now, as a young boy, you, you in Algiers, that's the West Bank or that's the That's the West Bank. That's the West Bank. Bank. So, you got to cross the river. You got to cross the river, but it's part of New Orleans. It's part of New Orleans. And you seeing all these signs, you a student at, uh, I mean, you, you in, in, in middle school, but you seeing all these signs say white only. So these signs, at an early age, disturbed you. You knew something was wrong with that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The white, the, the colored water fountain and the white water fountain somehow defied the spirit of Americanism. It defied uh, everything I knew about human dignity. Like, why should it be separated? 
you, you challenge the system in sixth grade. That says a lot to me. In the sixth grade, you challenge a white only sign. That says on, on the park. On the uh, park, right? By the way, we five. There were 500 kids in that elementary school. Huh? And what, what's the name of the elementary school? All Saints Catholic School. Oh, All Saints Catholic School. 1400 block of Tash Street. So the, the old building. We were, we were in the building, in the, in the wood building, and then they built the concrete building, you know, with the bricks and stuff like that. And they took up all the space we had for recreation, and so we had to go into that street between the church and that parking ground for recreation okay. and all this other stuff. And then when the Supreme Court raised the, our consciousness, of um, when it turned over separate but equal, and we were out constantly to integrate things, so, all that but, but stuff. You, but you we, are, we just decided that we won't go in that park. <laughs> so <laughs> y'all, you all looking for a place for recreation? Right, that's right. We just so, look at. So now you, you, y'all got a reason to keep up with the Supreme Court. We can now go into but, the playground. But, but you also have a reason to keep up with the Supreme Court because yeah. once they make this ruling, we can go to this park. You do you remember well, some of the other people? It, other it was there? like you never thought before the ruling. You never thought of violating the signs of going in the park. You follow me? That didn't because really cross your because it was the the Supreme Court have held separate but equal for a hundred years, and nobody ever envisioned that nine white men in black robes on the Supreme Court would admit that they were wrong for a hundred years and overturned Plessy versus Ferguson. So that decision of Brown versus the Board of Education of the Peak, Kansas, caught the country by surprise. Huh? Mm -hmm. And when they overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, it was just a new day in the thinking of the country. Long before, and it, the big deal was, well, the Supreme Court overturned it, but is Eisenhower going to enforce it? You know, because he's a Republican, this type of thing, and no, no one thought that the same spirit that moved on the Supreme Court also moved on Eisenhower, and Eisenhower made a commitment to uphold the decision of the Supreme Court to the extent that he federalized the National Guards in Arkansas to integrate Central High School. Well, that was before, that was after my time we did that, but we just heard the news on the radio, and we just was frustrated <coughs> for years playing in okay. that playground. Okay, now. When, when the police arrested you all, I ain't going to say arrested you, when they took you all into custody, yeah. and, and, and your parents came pick you, did y'all go back to that park? Did y'all have, have a chance to play in that park? You know, I really don't recall, because when the NAACP got into it and began to push it, right, uh, the city of New Orleans reached some compromise that we could playing, the park was still segregated, but we could play it and do it recreation. <laughs> they, had, they, they had, at least they had come to their senses that to tell five hundred kids they can't play that park. So another good folks room, y'all had to go. Well, we didn't take it any farther than that in terms of pushing it. We waited, and, but then, but New Orleans began to move in the direction of desegregation beginning there, but it took them from, that was like 56, huh? It wasn't until 65 when the schools actually were desegregated in New Orleans. So that's when the young lady, what's her name, who 
Well, actually, I remember 65 more. I remember. 64, 65, 64. When the young lady went to the school. No, that was in the 50s. That, that, the decision was at 54. Okay. okay? Well, it didn't hit Arkansas until 57. And so desegregating schools across the country was moving slowly, but it was moving at different paces right. and that type of thing. But in the city of New Orleans, it was not until 1965 when, they, when the Catholic schools were desegregated. See, the Catholic schools were segregated too. All the Catholic schools were segregated too. In, in New Orleans. In New Orleans. And all, all these Catholics in New Orleans. All these so-called black Catholics. Then we had black Catholic schools and, uh, and so the, so white schools and all saints were the black Catholic schools. We were all black in, at, at all saints. Anyway, it was in 65 when Archbishop Rumble decided that we're not going to integrate the Catholic schools until we integrate the public school. So they integrated the public school. And when this time came to integrate the Catholic schools, Leander Perez, who was a leading Catholic from Plaquemine Parish, uh, defied him. It was a big old, you know, the conflict to integrate the Catholic schools down there. Huh? Uh, meanwhile, the park probably was already desegregated while they were still fighting to get to it. You got to take one fight at a time. Get ready to get to the Catholic school. But that, there's a big old historical uh, narrative on how Leander Perez de fought the schools, the desegregation of the schools at Plaquemine and defied the bishop and the bishop excommunicated from the church. In Plaquemine Parish. In Plaquemine Parish. Not the little town of Plaquemine outside of Baton Rouge. That was our problem there. That's another issue there. Uh, so, I mean, the, the movement of um, the desegregation in the city of New Orleans was, was very, very gradual, uh, from 54 to the schools there. And then they began to deal with the right to vote in New Orleans, just like everywhere else in the state, and fighting that battle that led to it. And, and but, that, but that was your, your first challenge or stand against this, yeah. this American system in the sixth grade? You have to understand how the white only sign was not just on the lunch counters in the water fountain. It was in the system itself in the city. It was just everywhere. everywhere, everywhere, it, everywhere. I can remember the first black police officer in the city of New Orleans. I, I can <laughs> I there was no blacks in city government in New Orleans. We were segregated. Uh, New Orleans, and you were denied Orleans, the right to vote. New Orleans had almost sixty percent African uh, for years. Uh, yeah, in the state, uh, there was there was resistance to the right to vote, and you didn't have enough registered people to elect anybody. Huh? And that went on until whatever it started. Whoever was the first black lady, might have been Ernest Murray, or might have been the first black senator, the state representative, I think was there. I, can't remember I don't know, I have to go back and check the history. <laughs> Women went from the only black to the first black, <laughs> you know, like, okay. but I do know that everywhere in the state at one time, there was no black. Uh, whether it was the state legislature, whether it was the state police, what, what, you know, what, 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 what they call that taxation what, without representation. Oh, that, was, that was the rule. I do, re but you see, it's hard for you. You could capture slavery, huh? And you could see that 
huh, in chains there during the falls. But segregation was the was the new form of slavery, and it put blacks in their place, and they were blacks in their place, and everything in the state. The state was there was a white only side on the state of Louisiana. Just like there was a white only sign on the White House until Barack Obama was elected president. <laughs> no, I, I never thought about it that way. No. So the white only sign. We, we, we looked at it as a meal only. No, But so now things have. Now you, let's fast forward. So you know you challenged in the sixth grade, but you kept that energy and uh, the, what happened to you that experience you, you and another 14 other young men that when you got you, you went on you decided to go out on to college see you have to you have to talk about we know about the first black to ever finish school and the first black to finish high school the first black to go to college well i was i mean the first member of the family to go up there so going to southern as an opportunity you know uh, was a great opportunity. And, uh, we were poor, and we wanted to uh, go to school, and I just wanted to finish college, and then go on to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, finish that, become a huh? become a little local, <laughs> become a you, local Baptist you preacher. Want to be a preacher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did that, that come about? Uh, where to be a preacher? Where well, I, I I grew up in the Baptist church. I was going to Catholic school. But I was growing up in a Baptist church, yeah. and I'll just do a confession. Well, I was a 12-year-old Baptist preacher. I was a little boy, yeah. <laughs> young boy preachers uh, in the Catholic school. But you knew you wanted to be a preacher. Yeah, I, when I was going to Southern, I said I knew I was going to be a preacher. And, and, and you had the typical image. Hold on, hold on, hold on, now, hold on, hold on. Now, most preachers said they was called. <laughs> so you tell me. now. I, 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 I believe in discernment and, okay. and the calling, and I do believe that I was called to preach. Okay. But then you have to put, once you're called to preach, then you prepare yourself by going. So I wanted, I going to college was my way of preparing myself for the mission ahead. So I just wouldn't be running around and preaching without, <laughs> without an education. <laughs> okay. So, was, so was, what I was, was like, think was to go the formal route of, college and then the seminary and then go wherever the Lord would call me to do in terms of ministry. Very traditional ministry. I forgot about the civil rights piece that was getting into my DNA coming out of high school, coming out of elementary school. I forgot that. So I had, I had the spirit of the Lord in one part of the DNA and I had removing the, the white on the side. The spirit of justice. So I didn't know. I didn't know. But, but, later, but, later in life, I connected the two. The question is, did, did you get your... Uh, no, the question your, is... Your, your, what do you call that? The question Seminary is, degree? No. <laughs> <laughs> the question is that when I got to Southern, uh, things were happening in Baton Rouge and happening in the country. There was a sit-in movement in 1960 that was taken off. There were students at Southern that had... Uh, participated in the demonstrations, and, 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 and they were arrested too, before us. They, that was Marvin Robinson and, and Moss and those guys, they, they, they had protested segregation before us in 1960. I didn't get to Southern until uh, basically 
They were, they were arrested like in May 60, and I got to Southern in September 60. So I was moving, and I was, that was all behind me. And they were expelled from the university too, uh, before us. And, but things were happening across the country at that time. Um, and then um, uh, John F. Kennedy was elected president, and that whole movement began to do that. And so now it's December 1961. Right. Uh, and we had looked at Baton Rouge. T.J. Jemison had led the uh, bus boycott nine years earlier, and what you call that. But the lunch counters in Baton Rouge were still segregated. Uh, they, were, they, they were not just, you couldn't eat together, and you couldn't even put your clothes when you went to the dressing room and stuff like that. It was really a segregated town. Um, so now we're talking about Baton Rouge. Right, right, Baton Rouge there. And so, yeah. that, but the students had sort of set the president before we got there. So in December that year, we decided that uh, we would, not only we were to desegregate uh, the, the lunch columns, but we also go picket the merchants to hire blacks and in discrimination and employment. And we called for, and then they, when they, they arrested the first group of students to go down picketing, right? Uh, we decided that we would go down and have this movement during Christmas time and boycott the whole town. And we weren't going to buy in, nothing. And, 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 so other, uh, other, until, other until justice would come to the city, huh? Uh, our green dollars would stay out of the city. And, and that movement took place at that time. Thank God you're still alive to tell that story. Talking you about know, economics. Somebody, somebody asked me that. You <laughs> say, how come that happened? That, no, that was it. So it was in December 61, during Christmas time, and we moved downtown with the demonstrations, and 21 of us were arrested at, and were put in jail, and, and, and the boycott continued, and uh, the State Board of Education ordered the uh, president of Southern Felton G. Clark to expel us from the university. So and the state, the state board, ordered, state board, yeah, ordered Dr. Clark to So, to, so now we, now we in jail. You in, in jail December, in December. I wanted the kids in jail. And in this is your first semester at Southern. That's right, right, yeah, I, and 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 that is interesting about that year, huh? Okay, go ahead. Because the twenty. Um, uh, one, my 21st birthday was December 31st. Huh? I'm arrested in about around December 10th. So I spent my, we spent a total of 21 days. They kept you in jail? For 21 days. So I had my, I made my 21st birthday it, in it, East Baton Rouge, Paris Jail, the 19th Judicial District. You remember? <laughs> Uh, they kept y'all in jail for, for what purpose? What, what, what was the, what well, was the charge? That's the funny thing. The district attorney had, he made up the charges like disturbing the peace was good enough. Uh, and then I got arrested because I was speaking on the sound truck. You know, like you've seen the sound trucks in these campaigns with the right. stuff up there. Yeah, we, had the <laughs> we had a sound truck and we were doing that and they stopped the sound truck. I never made it. <laughs> I never made it downtown. 
Oh, yeah, they'll be in downtown. I never been in downtown. Yeah, that was your first you time know, in downtown Baton Rouge. You know, you've been that back. No, no, I'm trying to say, you know, that back road coming out of Southern. Yeah, River, got, road, yeah, River Road. Coming out of Southern, that's where I was arrested. Just, just, they didn't mess with my sound truck at me while I was on the college campus. But as soon as we crossed the college campus into the city of Scottville, they stopped the sound truck. And I was on Scenic Highway. Then. Yeah, before we got to Scenic Highway. Like, as soon as you cross the railroad track, where you get to We're in jail. This is December. The 10th, 11th? In December, the, somewhere around that, because I remember, uh, it might have been December 20th, around there, up in there, around. So we're, we're in jail, and they try to bail us out. And they bailed me out and brought me down to check out. You know, when you bail you out of jail, and you can check out. And I saw the deputies waiting on me, and as soon as I had had signed the paper, they arrested me again. I was arrested twice in the same day. One was on disturbing the peace, illegal use of a sound truck. Illegal and this, use of and the second choice was conspiracy to commit criminal mischief. That's right. You right. You're talking so about, they're, 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 about they're, some they're, people going shopping they're, down, they're, shopping, they're, spending they're, money. Right, right. That, that was enough. So the, and then get the group to go down there. Well, anyway, you can imagine when they called Southern University, that, that was a real dark day. What do you mean they closed Southern University there? Well, <clears throat> right after, after we were expelled, huh? then they, they were ordered to close the university. Huh? The university was closed for 20 days, from mid-December till mid-January. Right? Uh, my 21st birthday in December was in the East Baton Rouge Parish Jail. So if you're wondering what you're supposed to do when you're 21 years old, uh, try the East Baton Rouge Parish Jail fighting for justice. <laughs> well, well, who, who or some of the other people was part of this movement? You remember the, some of the names? Well, once, uh, there was uh, the, the ones that were close to me with the Army Bailey and the uh, Army, the Army Bailey. Bailey? Yeah. Where, where are they from? Well, they all might have been from Memphis. But he was down there going to school at Southern. Uh, matter of fact. Uh, he died, and when he spent his last days head of the Lorraine Hotel oh, in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. Yeah, and uh, well, then Rujo became uh, a lawyer in uh, in Washington D.C. What was his name again? Weldon Rujo. Uh, and the there was Pete and Bruce. There were some other names out there in that time that. I'm going to go back and get that list there, but those are the ones that they were close. And Dave Dennis was in prison, and there were some stories about that whole thing uh, we get to. But, but so y'all didn't even make it to Chris? You know, we never, we never, <laughs> no, we never made it downtown. We we got, never, matter of fact, so we, y'all crossed we, the tracks. We were the small, well, some of them made it down on the road down there. There's a whole history about what happened during the demonstrations, and they made it to... Uh, uh, matter of fact, USA Today did a story recently on those 1,500 students that went down there. Sylvia Cooper also was in, was in that group um, of, of the 21. And, and it was just, uh, Jerome Smith was in that group from Southern. And, and I mentioned Dave Dennis from Shreveport. They, 
um, there were some core people in there who were not necessarily of Southern who got arrested. And, a core is yeah. another organization. The Congress of Racial Equality. Okay. Was that was the beginning of. Well, how did you get pulled in to participate in this? You know, when you was well, called actually, a preach. <clears throat> there were some people who were in core in the in New Orleans that came to Baton Rouge, you know. and uh, I was sort of drafted. I, I I was still on my road to the seminary. I, I really didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want to get involved in all of this other stuff. I'm just going to. Uh, stay forecasting it. But I'm pretty sure that what I learned then and what has become a part of my life uh, uh, it's, it's like listening to the spirit. That people were not drafted into the civil rights movement. Uh, they didn't say, well, I'm going to join this movement because I wanted to be a big shot. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. Is that if you listen to the spirit, you will, you will hear the voice saying, and the spirit usually speaks in uh, one word, sometime in a sentence, but it's usually go, sit, wait. <laughs> uh, and so the spirit say go, and I say yes, Lord. And that's how I got involved in it and began to move in it. But sort of like, all right, I'm out of the universe, I'm out of prison, I mean, I'm out of parish jail. Uh, but, you, but you also I, out, of, out, we of got out of jail. We got out of jail. I'm, I'm, out, of, I'm out of college and so I'm wait, out wait, of the jail. Well, where I go so, from here? Though, all right? right, that's right. So on the 16th of January, when I'm out of jail, Weldon and I said, well, let's go back to the campus and pick up our thing. And we went back to Southern University to pick up our stuff. And there we were arrested again. And this time, um, it Un was for unauthorized criminal, trespassing. Criminal, <laughs> criminal trespassing. You got that right. Yeah. Criminal trespassing. And, um, and once we were in jail on that, then they charged us with criminal anarchy. What that word is? Criminal anarchy. What is that? That's overthrowing the government of the state of Louisiana by unlawful means that carries 12 years. It's a felony that we're on our way to Angola. Hold on, hold on. I'm 22. I'm, I, I just turned 21. 20, 20, just turned 21 on December 31st. Yeah, on December 31st. Yeah, you was already in jail for your birthday. And so now I'm on my way. To prison. To prison. For just going to get your stuff. And just going to get stuff on the campus. And that this way that they were so, I didn't know the white people were so afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I thought you know, it's just about to open up. We're not going to do anything to keep the university closed. No, I just want to okay, okay. pick out our stuff now, and go back. Now, what happened with those charges? Here's the story. That was, um, not, not that, that was on they, the 16th of January. And they charged you with criminal trespassing. Then, well, the criminal trespassing, they forgot about that. Okay. And, and e but they didn't forget about the illegal use of sound truck. Okay. All right. And, uh, and on, the, on the charge of the illegal, I'm going to get back to criminal again. Okay. On the charge of the legal, uh, uh, illegal use of a sound truck, they tried me. The lawyer said, well, you, the district I said, well, if you have, why don't you just plead guilty and uh, 
be a five dollar fine. But the Lord said, no, you can't plead guilty because if you plead guilty, they're going to use you for uh, disrespecting the laws of the state of Louisiana and build you up for inciting a riot, all, all this other stuff. We don't, plead, we don't plead guilty. First of all, there's no such thing as illegal use of harm trial operating. Anyway, we went to trial, right? I was found guilty by <laughs> Judge LeBlanc. He was a he, there was Sergeant Pitcher with the district attorney. Sergeant Pitcher said, I ain't gonna do that to the state of Louisiana. Y'all not gonna come down here and disrespect our laws of the state of Louisiana. Yeah, you're going to jail, you're gonna spend some time. You follow me? Because if we let y'all get away with it after a while, the whole damn country will be coming down. <laughs> <laughs> so we gotta make an example. <laughs> yeah, so they tried me on illegal use of sound truck. I was sentenced to 30 days in jail and fined $50. Now somehow that happened and they appealed it to the Supreme Court. Who, who, who was? The, the, the lawyers, lawyers. And, who, who was your lawyers at the time? Well, at that time it was Johnny Jones. Johnny Jones. Oh, Johnny Jones, yeah. Still there, Murphy Bay, huh? Yeah, Murphy. Is Johnny Jones still there? Yeah. He's 101 years old. 100. But make two. I gotta go see Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we did a podcast on him a couple of months last year. Yeah, I gotta go see Johnny. You, you did not know he was still there. Okay. I, you know, in passing that way, I saw a video recently with Johnny on it, and he had 101, 102 mm -hmm. years old on that time. So they represented. So they represented me out there. You know, talk Johnny. He knows. Well, anyway, Supreme Court. Two or three years later, after the conviction, they appealed the Supreme Court. State of Louisiana must have waited every Monday for the Supreme Court to rule one way or the other. And as soon as the Supreme Court ruled against me by, they refusing to hear the case. Now, lawyers had prepared me. He said, you got a 5-4 chance at the Supreme Court. <laughs> the last time that appealed this case, Supreme Court, uh, they ruled against it 5-4. So if you make it to the Supreme Court on this thing, now nobody thought I was going to get 30 days in jail at Wichita, whatever. But this is way down the line when, when, that, when I finally was this front. I'm walking along thinking it was all over, and I see these sheriff deputies coming to my house. Again? Right down the line. Oh, and I, they're, 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 this time it, they arrested me and said, you're going straight to jail. Now, you, now you're in New Orleans this time? I'm, no. I'm still I'm, in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. I was in Baton Rouge until, for several years out there. But... So you you arrested again? You arrested this time. Arrested, but this time I'm going to jail because I'm gonna serve thirty days and pay the fifty dollar fine. So that was nineteen sixty two. Sixty two, sixty two. But while I was waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on that charge, right, we were arrested on the campus. You follow me? Oh, for and going, charged for with criminal anarchy. For going to get your, going to get your, going your stuff. stuff right? okay. We're charged with criminal anarchy. All the government says we that. So Weldon Ruzio and I stayed in jail for 57 days in solitary. In solitary? Because they refused to grant us bail. In and, East Baton Rouge Parish. In East Baton Rouge. And so Johnny Jones and Murphy Bell and the three lawyers out of New Orleans, Eli Douglas and Collins, took that case of the criminal anarchy case to the Supreme Court saying, look, you can't keep him in jail down there on the charge. You got to try him or do something. They weren't going to try him. They were going to keep him in jail with no bail. They was doing and, that And day. you go black. 
Hugo Black. That's somebody's name? He, Hugo Black was a justice on the Supreme Court who heard the writ of corpus habeas, huh? And when he, he signed the writ of corpus habeas to release us from prison. But we had spent 57 days in solitary, in waiting Bad for that writ to get to the Supreme Court. In East Baton Rouge Parish, Jim? He's right by the parish. We need to visit the cell. Uh, and you're just a freshman. It's your first year I in college. I am 22 yet. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> it was like, and it was like after I've gone through that experience, it's now 1963. That was I was working in Baton Rouge for the Congress of Race Equality. You're working for a board now. Under the Vote Education Project. And we had the summer, we had envisioned the summer project in Louisiana in 1963. There was a summer project in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and in the South. And I, and I was coordinating the project. And so the question is where we go hold this project on voter registration in Louisiana. And we picked, out of the sixth congressional district, we picked Iberville Parish. And the reason why why y'all chose Plaquemine? Not that Plaquemine, Louisiana, not Plaquemine Parish. Uh, yeah, Plaquemine. We ch we chose Iberville Parish because W.W. W. Harlow, uh, local elementary school principal down there in Plaquemine, wrote a letter to uh, Marvin Richard Boss up there in New York that come down there and help us do voter registration in the sixth congressional in our parish. You know, because as, as I moved around, I worked in, in 1960, I was working in the sixth congressional district, so it's not just Iberville Parish and Pinecopee and East Feliciana and West Feliciana. Huh? Those uh, six uh, parishes that made up the sixth congressional district said, come on down here. I said, we're going to have a, and in the process of working with them locally on voter registration, I began to talk to them about, we want to hold a summer project down here, and like they're doing in Mississippi, but we're going to have a lot of prob problems getting one off the ground unless I have a strong local base of uh, local leaders, one that can house the people. There'll be an integration team that'll be sitting down here for six weeks, we need a place to stay, and what you call that, and, and it was, W.W. W. Harlow and Captain Talbot had the sole men down there said, we're going to handle that for you. If you get them come down here, we're going to help you organize the housing and stuff like that. We're going to pay for the housing <laughs> and the food. We're going to raise the money and do that. So most people say, you can't do that. There's no way that's going to work down there in Plaquemine. But the Lord had another plan. The Lord had decided. That's, that's the summer. Uh, and this interesting piece about that summer, uh, as we were getting it off the ground, there was a TV station out of uh, San Francisco said, we want to come down there and document that six-week experience. And he came down with a whole TV team, and that gave rise to that documentary, The Louisiana Diary, that we see today. And, that, and you can see it through uh, the River Road uh, Museum. That River African American Museum yeah, and Gatlin and Donaldsonville. And you can see it through the uh, Amazon Research Center. Um, and I'm grateful for Brenda Square of the African American, <laughs> of the Amazon Research Center for getting me to donate the paper to that whole movement. Uh, 
to both of those institutions. Okay, so sixty-one, you got arrested for the first time. Sixty-two, right? You got arrested again in, in early, and you stayed in jail fifty-something days. But yeah. now a court give you a full-time job. Yeah, on voting, working on voting, voter registration. Voter registration. Yeah. So yeah. your first, but you you located in Baton Rouge. Well, located in Baton Rouge. So now y'all get a call where y'all gonna go to. I Abbey Pass, Plaquemine, Louisiana, to spearhead a voting. To organize a voter, voter registration voter. project like they had in Mississippi. We were organizing one in Louisiana, but we're gonna concentrate in the sixth congressional district. But the headquarters are gonna be in a, in a city called Plaquemine. Where, where were your headquarters at in Plaquemine? Actually, the head. Do you remember Gladys uh, Restaurant in Plaquemine? Uh, it was it, it was right up. We one of the places we <laughs> one of the places that we need, we need a place that we call office to meet yeah. to meet and so forth. But if you see the Louisiana Diary, you'll see the building in Plaquemine. That building was a hotel available to blacks when they needed a room somewhere on the weekends. <laughs> okay, I understand that. I understand. And so, you call it the hotel, you call it the motel. Yeah, you know, like, that was before that was before motel scenes. <laughs> so you know, so there was, that, that was a place in which that, that was owned by a white guy. And Miss um, Gladys, who ran the restaurant, she would manage that little hotel down there. And uh, so, it was W.W. W. Harlow and anyone should say, so look, we will rent the hotel. You know, like, it must have, if they were making, whatever they were making on the weekend in that hotel, we rent the whole place <coughs> for six weeks. That might have been, what, $200 a week or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty big. Whatever, 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 right, whatever it was. And so that was our headquarters for CORE. And uh, he didn't know how many, that, that how radical core was in terms of, because we were down there just to do voter registration. That was the whole intention of the summer project, right? And he later on, it evolves that we can discuss in detail at some point. <laughs> it, depends, now, it depends on how far you now, want to get into the summer project so of 1963. There were some, some serious things took place at the summer project. As y'all was, I remember. I remember one of my friends' dad was part of that guy named James Williams. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, I know James Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was my friend Dimitri, who who's passed on too. That was his dad. Yeah. Dimitri was my roommate in college. I, I remember. I remember his sister. Who was Marilyn. Yeah, yeah. Marilyn. Yeah, yeah Marilyn. So, and uh, so, so that's how well, I got it. Yeah. Well, the James Williams were deeply involved in helping organize the. The movement there, along with Harlow and Bertrand Tyson and Captain Talbot Harris, um, some of the law works in mysterious ways. I had one is we might have landed somewhere else if Harlow hadn't written a letter, all right? Because we were looking for a place to land and to start the project. Huh? It was the Iberville Industrial Voters League that had been doing voter registration down there for years. That was the local power structure in it that consisted there. And uh, they supported us from day one and went to jail with us. <laughs> okay, well, they stood, with, they stood next to you then. Yeah. But, oh, and but, the, there's streets named after down there. Now, you, you could imagine when I was coming up, there wasn't a street named after one black person in the state of Louisiana. 
And who, who knew the law, what the law is going to do with history, you know? So after six weeks, there were some serious things took place with this voting thing. And one of the big things took place in the church. Well, here's the deal. We're doing voter registration, and, and, and that's knocking on doors, trying to people to go out and voter registration drive. But we're also working now. We're headquartered in Plaquemine, but we're working in the 6th Congressional District, the other parishes as well. So we're working in West Louisiana, East Louisiana, Point Capi, you follow me? What's the other ones around? Uh, I don't think Ascension Parish, Ascension Parish wasn't really a part of the 6th Congressional District. Uh, things began to, to move in terms of they want to desegregate the facilities of the city of Plaquemine. They probably got only one white-only restaurant in the city of Plaquemine. And they got a police force of 11 cops. Uh, I got 30-plus activists down there uh, that expanded to a greater number when we expanded across the, the whole state. Huh? So we got ten times we got ten times the number of <laughs> people in court than we got in the in practice. So Y'all got scared the people. So no matter what we did, we were upset. Now, so one one weekend doing the summer project while we working on whole registration, the team decided I wasn't even in town. The team decided they were going to go to New Orleans for to get a break from the whole thing. And you know the ferry boat down mm -hmm. in uh, White Castle, right? Mm -hmm. They caught the ferry boat from White Castle oh, to cross over to Donaldsonville. Huh? Oh, that's where you had to catch it at there. Yeah. And they desegregated the ferry boat in the middle of the Mississippi River. <laughs> now, you know nobody asked me for permission. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all were, were supposed to get on the ferry And boat? they arrested them. All 30 were arrested. Where the, the ferry boat landed. So uh, now, you got on, you had, it was in a car? Or was they were all in the cars. They were in several cars. And they got on the ferry they boat. They got on the ferry boat to cross over to Donaldsonville. And somebody decided they wanted to use the restroom. And the colored restroom was full, whatever they tell me the story, right? So they wanted to go in a white restroom. Right? And so they went in a white restroom. And so the captain turned the boat around. Turned the boat around. Right. And bring them back to the shore. On the Plaquemine side, you find, <laughs> and they get arrested. The sheriff, the sheriff down there, said, "Oh my God, he got thirty of them in his jail with his boy that ever had in in Plaquemine. Plaquemine was the headquarters of the local jail, right? So we had to figure out a way about how we uh, put a lead on this thing, get back to vote registration in a way. So we sat down with the sheriff." And said, look, that's not the purpose of it. That was an incident that occurred. We don't intend to be working on desegregation um, of the lunch counters and those things that are focused that we don't intend. The sheriff will, oh, promise me that you're not going to go desegregate the ferry boat. <laughs> I said, you could tell the judge if we, if we set them all free. <laughs> We're not going to desegregate the ferry boat. Uh, that, was, that, 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 that was a compromise, and we got past the ferry boat. But I, say, I can't say the same thing about the, the, uh, the cafe and anything else that's 
segregated in, in, in the Ivor Hill Parish, but we ain't gonna segregate. We don't worry about it. I, I'm not gonna. <laughs> we're not going in the Mississippi River. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't gonna take that. Chance. We're not gonna do that anymore. There was something. So, so we got past that in the demonstration, and then the focus began on DuPont and Seymourville being the cities outside of the district and we wanted to bring them back incorporated the city. And so we started holding a protest movement around that piece and we held a couple of rallies in the church. And, uh, Remember what church it was? It was the Plymouth Rock Baptist. Plymouth Rock Baptist Church. Yeah. They, uh, it was around August 19th. Near the end of the summer project, right, they started protesting marches down and all that type. And so around the 19th, they said no more night marches in Blackman. Jan Farmer was in town. And on who, the 19th of August. Now who, who was Jane Farmer? James Farmer was national director of the Congregation Club, 19th of August. We, we would move prior to the, the prior marches had always been outside the city limit of Plaquemine. So you were in the sheriff district, so he wasn't going to arrest anybody. He marched to be out. This time we're going to go to City Hall. And so when we went to City Hall, uh, sheriff, uh, Chief of Police Sanjay said, we ain't going to have it. Uh, he decided he going to arrest them. So they arrested that night, W.W. Harlow, uh, James Farm and I, and a few other people were arrested and uh, shot us down with tear gas that night. So we ended up in jail. We ended up in jail in Donaldson. Okay, now. We gotta get, to get that one. August 19, 1963. 1963. We're protesting uh, at City Hall in the city of Platinum, right? We were protesting prior to that all around the city, right? And the sheriff wasn't doing anything and that was going on. The rallies, we were protesting around. This time we're going into the city. And so Sheriff Sunday decided that he was going to arrest us on that they were going to jail. Well, when they put the night on the 19th, when they arrested a few inside the city, the people kept protesting out there and they picked up 300. 300? 300 people in the town of Blackman are now arrested. They had us at the fairground and they had them wherever they could find people and they took people from there down to Donaldsonville. That's how we ended up in the Donaldsonville jail, moving from Plaquemine down there. Huh? And that, that this is right before the, the war, the march? No, that's the history. Okay. We're going to get it. Okay. we got to get the 19th now. Okay. And we're in, and we're in the playground, right? And we're also in the Donaldsonville jail. So on August 28, 1963, Right. Uh, I may have a conversation with Jim Farmer about how are we going to see the march on Washington. Now, Spiral Gordon, a local guy, had been taken out <clears> of <throat> the bus from Plaquemine. We sent the bus from Plaquemine on uh, August 28th, a few days before, to Washington. So we sent a cadre of people that went there for Washington. Meanwhile, there's about 300 of us still in jail. And we're down in Donaldsonville on, on the 28th. Um, now, on the 28th, somebody had to write, well, why don't you, can you get the local sheriff or somebody, can we get us to bring in a TV? 
So I had I had a relationship with the local sheriff. I always had a good relationship with the with the power structure. I get, like I'm a reasonable guy. You can talk to me. You know I I can keep him in charge. I, because uh, I promised the sheriff when we got arrested on 19th that he said, Ronnie, I'm only providing housing down here. For I'm only providing housing down here for y'all. Uh, he said, I would do anything y'all want me to do out He said, uh, he going to have good meals. So he got the local black woman to start cooking our meals for us on the, on the night. We're in jail. I said, well, there's a piece missing, Sheriff. Uh, we like to see the march on Washington. He said, I will arrange for TV. The sheriff went to his house, got his black and white TV, and brought it to the jail. In Donaldson. In Donaldson, so we could see the uh, march on Washington. That y'all were supposed to be at. That was supposed yeah. And Jane Farmer. Sure. we can't go. I was supposed to be there, too. Matter of fact, that bus that left was paid for by John Lewis of the Masons and J.K. Hands of J.K. Hands Foundation. They paid for the bus and all our food, too, go to Washington. On the 28th, so Fiber Garden came out of jail, let the march up there, but we in jail watching the march. Um, on the sheriff TV that he brought from his house. On the sheriff TV that he brought from his house. Now I learned some 54, 50 years later that that sheriff, by the way, I was talking about, died sometime past. You remember his name? I, Weinberg, who, I tell you who he is. Uh, he is the father of the wife of the current sheriff. <laughs> His daughter, I had a conversation with her that I told him in, in, in Donaldsonville that the sheriff was a good man. He fed us well. And she came to me after that speech about 50 years later. She said, I'm so glad you said that because people thought terrible things of my father. He said, but I remember him bring, coming, getting that TV, bringing it to the jail. I remember he was uh, his greatest fear that if the Klansman had decided to attack that jail and get y'all, he wouldn't have been able to protect you. Okay. He said that was his greatest fear. That he I told y'all that. And she told me that. Oh, sure. She told me that 50 years later. He said, but I remember bringing a TV and I'm so glad you told, <laughs> you told all these other people here that's been hating him all these years that he was all right. I said, I, I, I will speak the truth. Your sheriff, sheriff got a good name with me. But anyway, that, that's the 28th. We watched the march on Washington. From Donaldsonville, Virginia. From Donaldsonville, Virginia. Donaldsonville, Louisiana. Donaldsonville. Right. Y'all like to talk about Donaldsonville, Louisiana. All right. The march came back. It was, it was on the 30th, August 30th, two days after the march, right? We were released from jail. And on Monday, September the 1st, we hold a rally. <laughs> Y'all <Yeah. laughs> always do that. On the Plymouth Baptist Church. Now, I, I, I do believe that the, the, the town was in a panic on that first because they don't think we we're going to stop marching. They'd already put us in jail. We made it to the march on Washington. We're now released, and we hold a rally on the 1st of September. You'll get the people a break. So Jimmy Davis decided that he was going to break up the march and not let us get out of the church. Who was, who was Jimmy Davis? Jimmy Davis was governor of the state of Louisiana. And he didn't have enough, <laughs> he didn't have enough people to state police to sit down there and arrest all the folks again. And then they thought, well, if you arrest them all again, where are we going to put them back in jail? I said, no, we're just going to break up the march and not let them go out of the church tomorrow. 
And that's when they sent in the deputies riding their horses and tear gas the church. And that they were going to do a house-to-house -house search until they arrested James Farmer, Harlow, Jetson Davis, and Ronnie Moore. So it was like, like to break this stuff up once and for all. And therefore they tear gassed the church and they searched all the way around. They, they tear gassed the church. Right. They and threw tear gas they, in the church. They, they, rode and a horse, they rode the horses into the church and they were shooting tear gas into the fields. And, uh, You're talking about a church full of people. A church full of people. People leaving the church all kind of ways. Lawyers too. They're going to the cemeteries uh, everywhere else in the city. And then with the local folks decided that they were going to get the three of us out of town. That was James Farmer, Jetson Davis, and I. And that's when they organized the hearse to put us in a hearse. They had two. One hearse left from Plaquemine and went up 10, going to Baton Rouge as a decoy. The other hearse with the three of us in the back. It, they weren't in a casket, by the way. Uh, Jim, <laughs> James, <laughs> James Farmer was laying in the... Uh, and the bag, uh, that ba the, the basket that they carried there, where that little two bed is, yeah. and Jetson Davis had his back against the wall, and his feet there. I was like in a corner somewhere in the in, in the hearse, um, and we riding the back road down to New Orleans. But they they looking for they thinking yeah, yeah. yes go y'all going other direction. Right now that time after that interesting piece that. And I often think about the Harris that I talk. There are some conversations that went on. Jetson Davis saying the 23rd Psalm and repeating that old black prayer. You know, prayer preachers used to preach, and everybody prayed the song, you know, knee bowed and body bent. What was that? <laughs> I'll tell you about that prayer <laughs> one day. Uh, we make it to New Orleans. Uh, because the, the Davis, by the way, owned the funeral home in New Orleans. So I guess that's how the part of the main thing there. And Jim Farmer said, well, Ronnie, I, I got to go back to New York. And he used to say, back to New York. And Jefferson Davis said, well, I ain't got no more church. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> oh, Jefferson Davis, he, he was the priest at the church? He was the pastor of the church. the man church. <laughs> James Farmer said he going back to New York. He said, he said, what you going to do, right? I said, well, I got a summer project. I got to complete. You going back I, got, to I, got, I still got people down here that, that we going to close the summer project. And we have, we have some unfinished business in West Louisiana Parish because you didn't have one black registered to vote in West Louisiana Parish. Rudy Lombard had worked down there from Corps in West Louisiana Parish, and he managed to get Reverend Joseph Carter to attempt to register to vote, and they arrested him. We got to go down there and break that zero mark in West Louisiana Parish. They're just not going to get away with not having one black registered to vote down there. He said, you know, the last black before Carter was arrested, who attempted to register the vote in West Louisiana Parish was in 1902, and he was lynched. Now, I look back, and I made it to the bombing of the church. Uh, I made it to the ride in the hearse. Why? Why don't stop now? Never crossed my mind. It was when we 
got the grip with that piece. I said, I'm going back to finish the project, huh? which meant I'm going to go back and take our workers that we got left, and we're going to concentrate on West Feliciana Paris. And we're going to go in, we're going hardwood, the plantation, and we're going out there. Speak to the people, what you call them, that way, and we'll meet in a Masonic temple until I get a group of people to agree to go down together and stay there until we get registered to vote. We got 42 people after several months because that was in August. It took us until October to organize this day, October 17, 1963. 42 people in San Francisville, Louisiana went in to register the vote. We broke the zero mark with three people, Joseph Carter, Randolph Davis, and Raymond Meyer were the first three. You remember them names like this? Lived with those names for 60 years. You cannot forget Jetson Davis. <laughs> you cannot forget the names of those things, but that day, when we stood in line, uh, we had just passed the law that permitted the FBI to observe. So we had federal observers there and the press that day when those three registered the vote and for it to went down. And I can remember the night before when we met at the Masonic Temple. By the way, they burned the Masonic Temple down since that day. Uh, Which one? The one now in. And said Francis L. And so the night before we went down, shortly thereafter they burned the temple down, but the night before we went down, how we prepared to go down. We agreed to meet. And we said, well, go down in cars. We said, we can't go down in cars because some of us may not even make it down if we go down in cars. I said, I need to get a bus. We can pay for the bus. And I'm asking school bus drivers. Somebody with a bus to come down and get this group to go down there in the morning. And Mr. Bryan stood up who on his bus. He said they may cancel my contract tomorrow night, but we're going to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he donated his bus to take the people down. What was his name? Uh, Brian? Brian. Um, I got I got But that's okay. Book, no, no. First name. Uh, so we rode down in the bus and we pulled up in there. Teddy Martin, the sheriff, was just running around with his gun. Uh, now, now we're talking about in San Francisco. He's running around with his gun. And people all know him right that way. He know all them. But the zero mark is over, Teddy. Somebody, y'all got to check. The, F, the FBI is down here to observe y'all. We guard you. So the, because y'all had the FBI with y'all, that, that made a difference? Well, that made a difference, and the time was come, and they, they, they knew we would be marching down there until that break. So the, you could end it by going on and, and, and register a few blacks out of 42, or you could continue this campaign, uh, but you're not going to get away with zero down. You're not going to be the only state, the only parish of Louisiana with not one black registered vote. It was the only parish? The only parish with not one black registered vote. The Tensor Parish might have been the second one to break after we did it in St. Martin, St. Francisville. But anyway, that's, 63, that's October 63, right? We break the zero mark there. You follow me? So we, now we're thinking that, wow, 
We're making progress in Louisiana until November 1963 when they assassinated John F. Kennedy. You understand? In the midst of our campaign, huh? Y'all strong as advocacy. I, 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 and, and they killed Kennedy in 63. So that lets um, you know these people, for, these people for real. They not playing. 64, they killed the three boys in, in Mississippi. Right. You remember who they were? Uh, Andrew Goodman, Michael Swine, and James Cheney were the three boys who were killed in Mississippi. At the same time, we had projects in North Louisiana, in Johnsboro. We had a project in North Louisiana, in Johnsboro, to register blacks. We had a Freedom House in, in, in Johnsboro, Louisiana. We had, and as we had Freedom House in each of those parishes, but we had moved to North Louisiana. Now, now what, what was a Freedom House? Freedom House is where we stayed. Flackerman, a little hotel would have been called the Freedom Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, y'all were anyway, we the said, that was, that, that was oh, the name of the Freedom House. And at night, uh, in 64, Mike Less and I had left the Freedom House to go from Johnsville to Monroe. And at night, there was some dark roads back then. It was then. 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's late. Dark road. We decided we, why? Don't ask me about thinking, because one thing we didn't do, <laughs> the spirit of the law was upon us. <laughs> All I did, I had to get to Monroe because I had to do something the next day. We're moving on. Mike and I drove out the car. Go down this road that just killed the three boys in the city. Y'all go down the same road? No, not that same road, but it was during the time, oh, that time. Okay. when they had just killed, when they just found the three bodies in the city. And we get halfway up the road, six, six, no, uh, oh, maybe six miles up the road, but we still got 20 more miles to go. And one group of white folks in the truck got in front of us, and two behind us. And we have to figure, do we try to race them to Monroe? And that ain't gonna work. work. I said, tell you what, we're gonna, we're gonna, this car that's in front of us, we're gonna act like we're gonna run up his high. And we're gonna make a U-turn. Right? When he pulls up, we're gonna make a U-turn. And then we're gonna go back. And the two car loads that was in in the back blocked the highway. Right? So I got one that behind us is gonna come on back. And the two rolling before us, huh? I said, we're going back to the Freedom House. And one of those cars going with us. I can't figure out which one. It's not for me to decide. I said, I just want you to be aware of what's about to happen. And I dropped it to 100 miles an hour. 100 yes. miles an hour? 100 miles an hour. You Did not look. So you're talking about I'm going up against two cars with the highway blocked at 100 miles an hour. And by when they became conscious of the fact that there ain't no stopping, they going back, huh? They open up, right? And when they open up, went straight through them. They didn't, I, they, they didn't I, shoot. I, 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 the story's not over yet. Okay. Come back, we go back to the Freedom House, 
and they are coming back and then we call the police and what you call them that we hit Washington James Farmer got Kennedy on the phone whoever probably Robert Kennedy God knows who uh, whoever that ever heard about my Jay who I don't know what's happening they talking about y'all they calling the local people huh uh, they about to kill the workers down there. Y'all better go down there and stop them because they're shooting in the Freedom House. Anyway, we make it to the Freedom House. About minutes later, when all this happened, like they already knew what was going on, huh? The four blacks who we had fought to get them their jobs as sheriff, as uh, policemen and John Burr Police Department, they ordered them to arrest us for disturbing the peace and reckless driving. <laughs> You ready for you ready for your life? In attempting, you ready for your life? In attempting to kill good white people on the highway. <laughs> That's serious. Lord have mercy. So the good, the good so white people. The, the, the deputies resigned before they would come arrest you. They said, "No, I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to take them back on the highway. They're going to Johnsboro tonight." They leave and they gonna leave here, Jonesboro, and they going to Monroe like they started on a mission, and they going back on that highway. That's what the that's what the deputy told the, the chief of police. The, the one that the, the, that y'all y'all helped yeah, get well, the jobs. Well, 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 yeah, huh? uh, y'all helped them to get the job. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we helped get jobs all over the place. We got a job in Steel, Louisiana, working for the government because we were getting the jobs. So they were hiring them like that anyway. They cars got in front of us. Cars got behind us, and a host of cars came from somewhere I do not know, with guns and everything else on that highway. You don't have to worry about the claim coming out. <laughs> not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight. They ain't that crazy, huh? And they escorted us back to Monroe. Those four officers became the architects of what the world knew as the deacons for the. So you the one <laughs> because of because of what you did in month in Jonesburg. Oh, yeah. They gave right. They organized on their own. They recognized that their mission was to protect the civil rights workers. And they protected us in all the Freedom House. They protected us in Bugaloosa. They were there. That's where A. Z. Young was and Robert Hicks, all those guys that we had a project in Washington Parish too. They formed their own organization that night. Now, in the book, Deacons for Defense, written by Dr. Lyons Hill, he described that whole incident I just talked about. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting story. So because of you and your undertaking and, and fighting for civil rights and justice for your community, you ended up create because of that, you, the organization by the name of Deacon for Defense. Right. Who, who created out of Jones? Jones. Jones you, you remember those guys' names? Those <laughs> I, one is close to me called Chili Willie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the, the, other, the other three, I, I do know them. I have to go check the book. Oh, okay. I knew it. One was Jocks. So I can't tell really right now whether they're living dead. I do know that the deacons in, in Jonesboro, in, in Bugaloosa, Robert Hicks and A.Z. Young. Uh, were um, dead, and people most like Easy Young did some more work in the state of Louisiana long after that period. Of time. Yeah, Easy Young had a lot of good. So these these deputies, 
quit their job and started their own organization. Right. Became unemployed. <laughs> and started out. Now, I think that's not an unusual emergence, you know, that um, you see something that needs to happen, change, and you forget about yourself and concentrate on mission and concentrate on the Lord and go about doing it. And um, the Lord makes a way. You know, Mama used to talk about the Lord will make a way somehow and the Lord will provide. I think that's what the old folks are really talking about it, that if you see something that has to happen and you call it at that moment, obey. Obey. And what they, no one organized them, nobody asked them. Matter of fact, if they had asked me, I would have told them not to do it. <laughs> Okay. Can we stay here till morning come? <laughs> but when it's called that way and the leadership emerged, right, they told him what was going to happen that night. You follow me? Told the chief police what was going to happen that night. And he knew he couldn't stop that. So he better go back there and stop the claim. <laughs> and uh, that's the way it was always. So, in so, the, so that's how a lot of different organizations and Things evolved, like you said, you you was called. I ain't gonna say called, but you wanted to go into the ministry. No, I was called. You was called. I, I was called. Okay. You could say I was, I was called. called. I mean, I didn't make but, up my mind. But you did. Fulfill, <laughs> did. But you did fulfill I, your I, call. Yeah, I did. I, I you fought, I was you called. Fought, you fought for justice <laughs> and righteousness for, for, I think that, for all. I, I think that was my calling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, thought it, that, I thought uh, it. I thought it was conventionally yeah, called. Yeah, that's right. I thought I, I thought it was. The, the conventional revivals and what not like got that. got a lot of trouble, you caused a lot of and, trouble? And the buried of the dead and all this other stuff and the uh -huh. weddings and the funeral. No, he didn't call me for that. I mean, but like, 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 uh, like uh, Congressman John Lewis would say, uh, you, you got in a lot of good trouble. Yeah, well, that yeah. He, that that, that oh, the community John. benefit from it. And going back to that day in Washington, uh, in, in the March on Washington, and, uh, we were listening to the speeches, right? The speech that stood out in my mind was John Lewis' speech, one that we were only about a year apart. So he, he was the youngest up there, I'm the youngest down in this jail down there. But John Lewis, in his speech, he recognized that James Foreman and others were in jail. It was only John Lewis that said, huh, that we are coming in troubled times and that the people are suffering everywhere. I'm not, I'm not criticizing any of the other speakers. I think that Martin was right when he was talking about the dream. I, I can remember when Martin was talking about the dream, James Farmer asked him, said, Ronnie, do you think we'll ever have a black president? I said, Jim, I'm not too sure we're going to get out of this day. <laughs> you were joking about two months down, right? I said, well, I go on. And, and see, there's another piece of history about that jail. That jail in Donaldson, I started to talk to Kathy Hambrooks to write a, a deeper description of that jail in Donaldson. It was a slave depot. Oh. They used to, when a slave would run away, they would go track them down and then they would bring them to that jail until the plantation owners came to get them. Matter of fact, on the top of that building, they got an indinka, what do you call it, indinka symbol or the African symbol on top of that jail. I got to get it like that. We have to get into it. But that was, now, I don't think that they were conscious. We could have been put in 
the local jail in Plattman, but the chief of police was afraid to keep us there, because huh? they don't know whether or not all the local people be surrounded the jail forever. They were sleeping outside the jail. So they had to get us out of Plaquemine down there. But the, we could have been put in the fairgrounds. Huh? Sheriff Griffin said, I don't want him in my jail. <laughs> okay. uh, so we ended up down there in, in Plaquemine. That blonde man Donald said, and look, this is this is one we have here, uh, brother Ronnie Moore, uh, from out of New Orleans, Louisiana, by way of Baton Rouge, or vice versa, mm -hmm. who uh, was very instrumental in the civil rights movement and the voters' right uh, uh, registration for in the in the early '60s on through, and he still what 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 you just you you still working or you just retired? Well, I. I have spent the past 16 years working with the with Catholic Charity Archdiocese of New Orleans on mass incarceration and uh, re-entry activities and changing state laws and um, collaborating with a lot of emerging re-entry groups in the state. And I decided that uh, this was the year that uh, I'll resign from the job but I will not retire from the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's powerful. I mean, but you, you, you have so much life, so much energy in you. You got a lot, a lot of great, uh, good to, uh, to continue doing. Because I have to believe that yes, the Lord did call you, and you have, and you are still fulfilling your calling and your mission. And I'm honored just to be here today with you and to sit, you know, at your feet. And to hear the, the greatness uh, of all the things you have to overcome and things you have to do, and I mean, I, I'm I'm younger, but I, you know, I do know some about something about a, uh, quite a bit of things you're talking about, and many of us out here do not recognize uh, our struggle. I mean, I ain't gonna say recognize, say that's wrong. Many of us have forgotten. You know, we think a lot of people think they got it made now, and in the way you do, and we don't take advantage of that either, but. Seem like the more progress we make forward, whatever reason, we seem to be going a little, uh, still going backwards. Why is well, this? Well, here's the deal. This is why. I think it's like it's 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 a hundred year struggle. There's sixty years behind us, and forty years to go. <laughs> It'd be August 28, 2063, would be the 100th anniversary of the March on Washington. We got 40 years ahead in following. Mm -hmm. The struggle is not over, it's just beginning. Uh, we have to begin to talk about what are we going to do for the next 40 years, not we what we did in the past. Oh, I am about, I am about progression. progression. So I'm talking to you today about the next 40 years. And the concentration on the next 40 years will all be about <clears throat> youth engagement. Not youth talking about what we did 40 years ago, 60 years ago, huh? Right, what, write your own yeah, what they're doing yeah. today. And it's gonna be youth in the ballot, you follow me? And youth, not only doing voter registration, but also young people being election workers. You know, it's about the youth taking over the day to move us to the next year. 
Now that's not <clears throat> inconsistent with history because it was all the movements of the past and the movements throughout the world have always been led by young people. Always, always was led by young people. It's the story of David and Goliath all over again. He shook something in <laughs> That's all I can tell you. That's all I can tell you. I, I, I felt that. So it's time. It's count time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? It is truly count time. Yeah. Time to stand up and be count. Yeah, I'm going to walk a few more of those years with you. <laughs> you see, people sometimes, they go, they deal with names and titles, what you call them. And then those of us who deal with people. And, it's, and it's the right it's the spirit that is the right thing that makes the connection and not, I don't have to know you. I had to write your name. <laughs> like, wait a minute. They put the name to this telephone number I got. Yeah. That's where I am too. I don't get, I, you know, I never even brought that kind of stuff up. That's not important. I'm dealing with the man. I want you to deal with the man. That's right. The rest, the rest of the stuff. That, well, that, see, that, that, you can have all of that and still not have the spirit. You follow me? Right, it's the right. spirit we take with us. It's not the name and the possessions and all this other stuff, you know, and the titles. It's, it's uh, that which is planted in us, we take with us. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Look, since you said that I had went to uh, a few weeks ago, I saw a sign that says, estate sale. So I said, estate sale? What, on a Monday? So I, saw, I was on the streets, so I said, wait, where it's going to be at? So I just, I don't really go to those kind of things, but I, for whatever reason, something hit me to go over there. And I drove back, there was a very exclusive neighborhood. I would have never thought, you know, all this was going on back there. It was a really nice neighborhood, but it was, it was an exclusive neighborhood. So I went on back there, you know, like, oh, okay. So I went on inside, and when I got inside, I'm the only one of us in there. So everybody, people looked, you know, caught them off guard. You know, very nice neighborhood. <clears throat> and I'm looking, and so finally they kind of like, people eased on. And I felt a little strange. So as I started walking around, going through all the different rooms, and you know, very nice stuff in the rooms, and, and, I'm, acting, and I'm kind of, you know, what kind of price is this? Everything was much more, ex much, ex much more expensive than I thought would have, they have been. Yeah. And they said, well, it's half day, half price day. Half price day, there's still some big prices, right? <laughs> but what it showed me, like I'm walking through the room, I said, dog, the people who own this house, they didn't look like us. So I'm thinking that, you know, would, he, would they have even allowed us to walk in the house? You walk it all through the house, all through the bedrooms. And it was an eerie feeling, like, oh, it's strange walking through somebody else's house, looking through their closets, you know, looking through all these different things. And, then finally, the guy, uh, one of the guys came and talked to me who was working at a state sale. I said, well, what is, how much is this? How much is this? You know, they started giving me some prices. And he said, well, you know, the best I can do is have price. The son owns all the stuff. He's uh, he living in, in another state. And, uh, you know, I just, he just told me if he, can't, if he can't sell it, don't worry about it. So the son didn't even come down to sell his, 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 his family's goods that they worked hard for. He just wanted to get rid of it, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't even come down to be a part of it. All this, this fine furniture and everything. But what that taught me is that I don't care where you live, how much you got, what you think you worth, you can't take none of this with you. Yeah, that's so fundamental. That's a part. That's you the essence of my. And, 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 and we, we miss that 
we just miss that in all our thinking that we brought nothing into the world. We shall take, take nothing, nothing out of our, except the the spirit and the love we share. With others. Uh, with that's going to that, remain here. And but, you take, hopefully, that going to get you into the kingdom. <laughs> so so the, the love, the spirit, the soul, the energy of life force that you leave here, hopefully, it touches and it continues. But things, stuff, yeah. you go, you got to leave it. Because I looked at all the stuff that people had that they worked hard for, they, that they valued, that they, that they thought one day, you know, this, this, is, this represents me. But it don't represent anybody. It's just stuff. Yeah, and yeah. A lot of stuff was still, look, people didn't want to pay those kind of prices for it. Yeah, <laughs> but, anyway, but let's move on. So we, it's great that we are talking about past that we have people like you who went through the struggle who understood the struggle who know the struggle but that story has been written we need to write the next story that's right what are next, you, the next what, series what the, next, the, the next chapter what are you doing today and, and, and it's more than just being able when there is a George Floyd we march it's after the march what we do See, it was after the march on Washington that the struggle began to pick up, right? And the price began to be paid at another level. Huh? Not only three boys, Mississippi, huh? And, and Kennedy was gone. But then it goes all the way back to 1968. It continues to 1968 when Dr. King was in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, organizing the sanitation work. After this dream, after this march, you follow me? He's now five years later, and no one envisioned that the price was the, that he was going to pay the price with his life Ultimate in Memphis, August 3rd, when he, when he delivered a speech, I have been to the mountaintop, and I've seen the promised land, and I may not get there with you, but we shall get to the promised land, and there are difficult days ahead. That was August 3rd. 1968, August 4th, 1968, he was assassinated. Those of us who were active in the movement as we took his body back to Atlanta, we went to Memphis, Tennessee, uh, to how to keep a lead on that, keep a lead on the country, because they were about boring the whole country down at that time, and then moved from Memphis, Tennessee, to Washington, D.C. for Resurrection City. And while we were in Resurrection City, after King's assassination, there with the mud and protests, 30 days later, they assassinated Robert F. Kennedy. And we, were not talk and we were not talking about yesterday. We were still talking about the days ahead. And from 68 until 2008, the white only sign was still on the White House until Barack Obama was elected president. It took 40 years. For him to answer James Farmer's question, when will we ever get a black president? I should have been able to tell him years ago, 45 years. <laughs> In 25 years, God's going to answer your prayer. And just thank you. are thankful that you were here to be able to witness that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the part of it. That's the power of, of, uh, of that's part of your the things that will keep you encouraged, let you know that your work, your labor was not in vain. Yeah, and it's not over. And it's not over. It's not over. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> That's right. It's not over. What keeps the system 
for a line, a, a group of people to rise. What caused these group of people to say, well, we're going to keep them in their place? We cannot let them vote. We can't get them no power. We can't get them no business. We can't get them nothing. Well, first of all, conscious effort to keep the, 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 the struggle is not national. Let's get it straight. The struggle is universal, right? It's all over the world. And, and the struggle between good and evil has been here from the beginning of time. Mm. These folks who think they could stop that by passing laws, uh, they're dealing with illusions. Because they tried that before. They can't pass a law today that's equal to the laws they passed 60 years ago. Huh? So they ain't going to stop it. And you can't the, legislate that, justice. That's right. The people are going to continue to rise up and forth. And see, when I look back over the past 60 years, it was not just the fact that, oh, we battled with King's Dream, but King's Dream also dealt with the Union of South Africa. Back in John Lewis' speech, that's what starts with me. He makes 10 points in his speech. And one of them was one man, one vote. And he was speaking about the, and that was speaking about the Union of South Africa, right, where 3,000, 300,000 whites controlled 13 million blacks. And Nelson Mandela rises out of that chaos as we fought out of this chaos and becomes president of the Union of South Africa. That occurred before Barack Obama, right? So the struggle looked like it was happening here, but it was looking, it was fighting colonialism in Africa in terms of control. And so today, when we are fighting this battle here in the United States, uh, we also fighting the battle in Ukraine, same battle of good versus evil and the power of control and ownership versus the question of who's going to take care of the least ones within and beyond our borders. Make it universal and call it by its name and you'll see that the battle between good and evil is all over the place. That, that, that's broadened the whole picture. Yeah. That bring them a lot more clarity. So now you're not dealing with a race or so-called color or ethnicity. You're dealing with the you're heart dealing. of a man, yeah. good and evil. Good. And some, some, some want to control it all. Don't want you to have anything. <laughs> and that's unfortunate what we have saw in, in the your in your earlier point that there are people in the world who believe they could take it with them. And they control and gain as much and they just don't learn. I brought nothing into this world that shows I shall take nothing else. The fundamental lessons that were taught by our elders all over the land. Mm -hmm. Now greed surpasses all that. Yeah. All the teaching, the but you, we, we, you think the simplicity of life where you know, uh, as you always hear people say, you never see 
what they call that, a, a muddy, a, a Wells Fargo truck or <laughs> following a, a hearse. Yeah. Because you can't take none of it with you. But the greed of man yeah. and the desire to control and have it all have, took, have brought this country and this world to the, to the position that it is now. But this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And he have called us to help with orchestrating this process. So you can count on me to be yeah. one of these. Yeah, and you gonna help, and, and you helping me write the book. <laughs> Whatever I have yeah, to do. You, you've done it, you've you, done you, it, you, you've you, pulled you, it out. You, you're, yeah. my, you're my leader, <laughs> and like, and we, this how I met you before in Donaldsonville briefly. I yeah, yeah, you're, you're, on, you're on the board there. I spoke down there yeah. one time. And, uh, but I, I never had, we had, this our first time really besides calling you getting ready to, to do this this this, uh, this podcast. But this, our spirit have connected. We have kindled spirit, which you made with something you mentioned in the beginning. Yep. And uh, you know man by his spirit. And I am truly honored. I mean, you, I, I said this before, and uh, you have touched something in me, you have moved something in me that I could not do myself. Mm. So this was beyond what I had even imagined. And I am so moved and touched that I have to believe that, like I said, you know, we say God called you. He ordained this day, this time for this purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all, I think you have to, you at the airy place where you have fulfilled yours and I have to pick up the matter and start on minds. Uh, so I thank you, Brother Ronnie Moore, for coming in here today. And just, and I want to let you know, uh, audience, that this is only a few of the stories. There's going to probably be a, a two, three-point series to this one here. Because uh, he and I have some other things to discuss, that, uh, great, the great things he's been doing and done throughout his life. And we want to share those stories. And I, I, I'm one of the ones, I guess I'm like Miss Kathy Hammer, uh, what do you call it? Preserve, what do you preserve the history, the culture, because all too long our history go untold or dies with us. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I like to make, a, I'm making a conscious effort to take stories like you on the front line. And how many people know who you are and the great things and the, you put your life at stake for your people, your community, and to make a difference in this society. And you've done your part. You have stayed the course. Yeah. And you have not quite finished because you got to you got you got to get me ready. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna. <laughs> but uh, I'm honored and thankful that you well, came in today, and thank you for being part of Countdown. Thank you very much, there. And I'm coming back. Talk whatever you want me to talk about. We'll we take, go, we don't worry we, about that. We're going to take it step look, look, by step. Look, 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 the, the, the connection has been made. It's, it's yeah. interested in, and from this day forward, I mean, it, it, got to, it got to move forward. So thank you for being part All of right. Caltech. Thank you. Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is always free to travel wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time.